testing, testing. Testing. Hopefully y'all can hear me. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton News. Make sure you're close to fluff. There are some warm towels next to the shower. So maybe you can clean yourself off of all the Kick back and relax. Enjoy our beds. Your love seat over there in the corner. Of course, as the Fred Hampton Inn and Swedes, we obviously have free continental breakfast. courtesy of the uh, revolutionaries running this hotel. All right, that's enough of the uh, introduction. Uh, Good evening to everyone who's listening tonight and uh, to everyone listening later. What's up? What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton in the Suites. I'm going to get right into it because uh, uh, time waits for no one. Uh, And you know what? I'll put some, I'm going to do some video today. Why not? Talk to the camera. Uh, it's been a minute, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope uh, things are going well in your life. There's plenty of bad shit going on, but plenty of good, too. Uh, as to what I've been up to, uh, I've kind of been unplugged from everything uh, political for, I don't know, going on about two weeks. Had a bunch of stuff going on at work. Had other things going on in life. And I got to say, I don't hate it. I really don't hate it, man. Like, it's it's a lot. Um, I think if you're in this whole uh, groove of things, you kind of forget how much each and every day you are just inundated with a bunch of traumatizing shit. A bunch of shit that just can really shake your faith in humanity, uh, can shake your faith in a lot of things, in the possibility for revolution, the possibility for... Uh, betterment, uh, a lot of that stuff goes away sometimes. And uh, being unplugged is a good way just to get back. Like it's summer now. It's, 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 I think I'm officially allowed to say it's summer in Chicago. So I've been going on walks and that shit is awesome. Let me tell you something. When you haven't seen the sun in months, that motherfucker is like, mwah. For real, for real. Like, that shit is so... Um, I, I, it sounds crazy to say, but the sun is, like, top tier. You know, obvious S tier. Obvious, like, one of the greatest experiences you can have is just going outside on a really nice day and just walking the fuck around. So I've been doing a lot of that in the last two weeks, and it's been going pretty well. Uh, so if it's been a while since you've touched grass, uh, we will be here when you get back. So you do not have to... <laughs> remain constantly engaged. Please give yourself permission to go outside and enjoy uh, the sun, uh, especially while we still have it. <laughs> okay. Um, what else is going on? I mean, politically, I've missed a lot. 
I've missed a lot of the stories that have been happening in the last two weeks. Uh, for uh, for good and for bad, honestly, I, I'd say that uh, some of them are very good. I'm very happy to have missed. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the poll numbers and Biden or Trump or any of that. Frankly, I do not care at this point because it is summer and uh, <laughs> there are more important things uh, than worrying about the day-to-day poll numbers. But speaking of the day-to-day poll numbers, one one thing I've been struggling with over the past, I don't know, forever now, <laughs> is how uh, it is this concept of the the barrier between entertainment and political engagement. I think one of the things that I've noticed now that I haven't been as active in, uh, you know, keeping up with my political podcasts or uh, being engaged with the news or all of that is, is I, I think for me, there was part of my following news stories, which became, uh, almost a form of entertainment, if you will. Uh, And the irony is not lost on me that I'm now doing what is essentially a political podcast and knowing that this is in some ways a, a another form of entertainment to be consumed like everything else. Uh, But I think it, 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 I think what's been worrying me lately is how, Engaging with these kinds of political podcasts starts to sort of seem like political engagement when it's really not, you know, I want to be very clear. Like I, I, when I do this podcast and when other people are doing their political podcasts and all of this, you know, there's, there are opportunities, especially on this app, I'd say to actually engage with people in conversations, to actually strategize, to do things that are going to have a material effect on the world. Uh, But listening to a podcast is not enough, even if sometimes it's, you know, enough to make you feel like you aren't alone, right? Um, Which sometimes is enough to get you to engage more in your actual communities, in your actual sort of sphere of influence, Uh, but not always. And I think that one of the reasons I wanted to talk about media literacy, specifically concepts of manufacturing consent, is because I can feel the wheels of capitalism again, creating a political ecosystem where everything is entertainment and uh, we sort of find ourselves giving in to, or we, we find ourselves being kind of inactive because we have this idea that our consumption of something is somehow participation in a wider movement. It's a different form of manufacturing consent. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Noam Chomsky and ah, what was the other guy's name? Someone who was cool with Noam Chomsky, apparently. <laughs> and I apologize for this other dude 
um, whoever this is who who helped create this work. But uh, Noam Chomsky talks about how the one of the biggest sort of uh, I guess successes or scariest things about capitalism is how it is so good at making us or, or creating narratives, which reinforce the structure as it is, which do not necessarily tell the truth about what's actually happening in the world or what's going on with um, our politics or anything really, but is able to, through a bunch of different newspapers, a bunch of different media outlets, a bunch of different people in positions of power are all incentivized to come to the same conclusions, which always tend to protect the structure as it is and protect power and infiltrate power from actually being penetrated by truth. Uh, I mean, obvious examples of this are uh, how consensus narratives build across multiple media outlets about something like the Iraq war uh, and the reasons to invade. I don't have to tell most people listening or watching here that there was a concentrated narrative around going into Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, Political pundits on media, uh, in the media, and the politicians in Congress all coalesced around this idea that somehow Iraq and Saddam Hussein had something to do with 9-11, that they were somehow connected to Al-Qaeda, and that that connection was so dangerous that we needed to spend $2 trillion and kill hundreds and thousands of people and sacrifice thousands of our own soldiers' lives to stop that, to stop Saddam Hussein and to stop um, those evil forces in Iraq. Uh, There were narratives about how Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction, global terrorist threat, global terrorist threat, global blah, blah, blah. Um, how was it that so many media outlets and so many politicians all accepted a narrative that turned out to be provably false and provably false at the time? If you remember when we went into Iraq, uh, before we invaded, they sent inspectors, uh, forget who, uh, went over there exactly, but. Iraq opened up and said, hey, you can come and look into our country and make sure that uh, come inspect our uh, facilities, come inspect whatever you need to inspect, just just so you can see that we don't have weapons of mass destruction. We don't have nukes. We don't have any of that stuff here. Uh, And some kind of global coalition force went in, did that inspection and came out and said, no, they don't have any weapons of mass destruction. And it would be completely infeasible or unfeasible for them to have hidden all of these weapons of mass destruction uh, before we got here to inspect it. So we knew at the time that this was false. 
Yet even after that inspection happened, the invasion happened. And why is that? Well, there are people who are a lot more qualified than I am to talk about exactly who was responsible for us going into Iraq and what the reasons were. They were multifaceted. Uh, Some people wanted to go because they're pretty much kind of (laughs) crazy. I mean, they think that the world is always out to get everybody and everyone. Uh, They thought global terrorism was going to be a big thing. And they genuinely believe that you got to go in there and got to kill, kill, kill to stop it from happening here. It's wild, paranoid thinking, but some people who were in power probably honestly believe that. Then you had other people who were also in power who were thinking, well, we want that oil, right? That was one of the narratives happening at the time. Uh, Then you had other people in power who were thinking they just wanted to display America's military dominance, and there hadn't been an opportunity to do that on a large scale for some time, so it's time to break out the new toys, And I know that sounds crazy to say, if you're a sane person listening to this and you hear that some of your leaders in the world were, I don't know, or some of the leaders of your country would engage in a war just because they wanted to try out their new toys, uh, I can understand your skepticism in hearing that. But I would remind you that we've seen this before, definitively, right? I mean, we saw this with World War I. One of the big reasons World War I happened or escalated to the point that it did is because there had been all these military innovations in in weaponry. And it's been a long time since there'd been a war for people to be able to use these new toys. And a lot of the leaders and a lot of the different militaries at the time of multiple countries decided, hey, this is the time. Let's do it. This is a good time to actually go into war. And again, that wasn't everybody who was in power who thought that way, but that was definitely a motivation for some people. So we've seen this before. Um, but before I get too far afield, right, the point is we see these repeatedly, these opportunities or these, these um, we see how a media accepted, basically uh, uh, um, rejected all facts to the contrary and just accepted a narrative that we needed to go to war with Iraq, that we needed to invade Afghanistan. And the question is, why did that happen? How did all of these media outlets and all of these politicians coalesce on this one narrative or versions of this one similar narrative? And I think that's part of what I want to talk about and explore, how that happens. But also, along with how that actually happens, there's another aspect to this, or there's another part, which is how can you recognize when it's happening? You, as just individual voracious reader that you are, (laughs) podcast listener, but also just active citizen, active person, person who cares, who gives a fuck and and thinks that uh, would like it if maybe, just maybe, we didn't get into pointless wars. Someone who actually wants solutions to things, who wants 
things to change, who wants people to have, you know, a basic standard of living and, 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 and be able to live out their lives in peace. How do you recognize when the media, the politicians, when everything is saying one thing and giving you one narrative, but the truth is actually the opposite? And I think recognizing that starts with having some understanding of media literacy. And I don't know the official, you know, what the officially what what you would consider media literacy, but I call it my bullshit meter. Like, how do you smell shit? Because one thing that you will learn or that we'll talk about um, as we continue going over the series is how, again, this system is very good at plugging your nose, at dulling your senses, at making you see options as either A or B when both of those options are the same and completely blinding you to all the separate options that you have available to you, all the separate narratives that, that are actually out there, right? And you see it still happening today, right? Um, you know, it's still happening currently when you look at things like uh, the war in Ukraine right now, how so many of these media narratives are very one-sided. And I don't mean one-sided as in like Putin's a hero or something like that. No, fuck him. Okay. Absolutely. That's not what I mean. But when these narratives are completely exonerating everyone else from responsibility and how we got here. But when you look into that narrative, it starts to fall apart, right? You can smell the shit. Because to believe in that narrative, you have to believe that Putin is just a madman. I'm not saying he's a good guy, you know, right? He's, seems to be an actual tyrant in a lot of ways, right? But he's been rational before, so what happened? But they don't want to explain that part. So, so, and again, I'm kind of going, jumping around a bit um, just to, 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 to kind of give you examples, but I wanted to start today with just a basic a very basic sort of media analysis recognition exercise, okay? So it's, it's, I'm, one of the stories that I missed in these past two weeks um, was a story that you've probably heard about by now, but the story of Jordan Neely. Uh, Jordan Neely, if I understand this correctly, and I'm I'm just now getting caught up on this, but Jordan Neely was a uh, a young man who was uh, in and out of homelessness, as I understand it, in New York City. He had a history of mental health issues. Uh, he had moments of lucidity that would come in, uh, you know, like a lot of people with with mental health issues. They're not always on 10, you know, sometimes 
their level. But he was uh, having a mental health episode. Apparently, he was yelling at some people in the subway. I think I, I can't remember whether or not he was directly like threatening people or whatever. But um, a person on the in the subway platform or uh, another person who was there. Uh, and I believe I believe he was a white guy. But again, you can correct me in the comments. Uh, and this uh, other guy went up to Jordan Neely, uh, put him in some kind of chokehold, and ended up killing him. Uh, committed literal homicide. And I don't mean that even with any judgment put on it. I mean, that's literally what it is. You you killed somebody. That's That's just what happened, right? That's homicide. That's the literal definition of the word. And Jordan Neely uh, was killed uh, by this person. And I, 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 we're not even going to go into the details of what happened. There's so many conversations we can have about why healthcare has to be a human right, why we need more options and better funded, uh, better funding for these institutions to treat people, how we are failing our society by uh, not only just like not having people who need this kind of care be able to retrieve it or, or, or uh, obtain it and maintain it, but also how we're failing our society in teaching people culturally that if someone's having a mental health episode, the best solution here is to murder them. Um, I don't think that's, that's not a good look, right? That's obviously not a good look. And I apologize if I'm being a little crass or callous, or if I seem a little emotionless, but I got to be honest when you've seen so many of these happen over and over again, I'm a little dead inside to it, frankly. You know, I, it's sad and it sucks and I hate it. Um, but you know, like part, ugh, I don't want to get too much into the, like the, 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 the racial aspects of this too, but like part of, I think it's, I do think it is hard to be, how do I put this? How do I put this for you white asses? How do I put this for you white motherfuckers? <laughs> uh, I, look, I think it's, you. if you're black in America, especially if you're a young black man, there is sort of a resolute acceptance of death. I know that sounds real fucked up. Get someone like FD Signifier or someone who can explain this better than I can. But there's like, there's a there's a part where you just kind of like, you know it can happen at any moment. You know? I mean, that's everybody. Everybody can die at every moment. But for, for some shit like this, you just kind of, I guess if you think about it too much, it'll just fuck you up too much. So you just... You just don't think about it, 
You know what I mean? You just don't think about it. But, um, you know, I see some people in the comments talking about the length of the chokehold. Like, yeah, this is... Look, if you put someone in a chokehold or if you've ever been put in a chokehold, if you do any of this Brazilian jiu-jitsu shit or anything like that, um, look, you can... It does not take long to choke someone out. And then they're passed out. So this man was subdued way before that chokehold needed to become lethal. Just straight up. So, uh, you know, there's this part that's like teaching society that, hey, if someone's having an episode uh, and you have an excuse to subdue them, it's... I worry that people are taking this as an opportunity to inflict violence on somebody, to really inflict violence on somebody, you know, and we we could talk about all these other shootings and all this other fucking shit that's been happening too, because there's been a lot of them, but that wasn't the point of me bringing up Jordan Neely. The point of me bringing up Jordan Neely is again, this is media literacy 101. The headlines the way this story was framed, especially initially. And I want to kind of go over some of these because your first lesson in how do you sniff out bullshit, and many of you already know this, but how do you sniff it out? Pay attention to one, whether people are using the active voice or the passive voice. And we'll do, we'll do a little bit of English here for a second, right? The active voice. Mm, maybe I should have looked this up before I did it. But the active voice. It's been a long time since English class. But I do write a lot. Active voice is when the. Uh, a noun. Is using the verb. Right? When. Some noun or some object is actively doing the thing to something, right? So if this was a sentence, you know, about uh, this person killing Jordan Neely, it would say, man killed Jordan Neely. Man choked Jordan Neely. The verb there is it's clear who is doing the thing, right? Active voice is emphasizing, I guess, the object of the sentence and de-emphasizing the, uh, the noun or the, the, the subject that uh, uses the verb. So in this situation, uh, Jordan Neely uh, was killed, right? You take out who did it, was and is. Was, is, are, uh, those are all passive voice, right? So I hope, that, I hope this is making sense to people. Um, I can always just do a, a bigger breakdown of passive versus active voice, but I think most people listening to this kind of know what that is, right? For the most part, just know that 
the active voice requires someone or whoever's writing the sentence or who or whoever's speaking the sentence to identify who did what to whom. Whereas the passive voice only requires you to identify what happened to whom. It doesn't require you to identify the who. Again, man was killed in Subway versus uh, man kills man in Subway. The first was passive, the second is active. And that's important because if you're trying to hide facts, it's not always, there are plenty of good uses for the, for the uh, passive voice, by the way. We use it all the time uh, in legal writing. Whenever we're not trying to impute, like, uh, you know, we're not trying to, like, call someone out for doing something. Or when we're trying to bury facts, we'll use the active, I mean, the passive voice. Because it's harder to follow along with. It's less, it, it, it doesn't have the same sort of emotional resonance as the active voice. And I say that because if you look at all the the headlines for a lot of what happened to Jordan Neely, um, there's plenty of passive voice here. There's plenty of headlines that, eesh, first of all, we're not naming the person who killed Jordan Neely. So immediately just not putting that identity out. Um, and they were de-emphasizing the fact that uh, some random guy killed Jordan Neely. They were de-emphasizing the fact that Jordan Neely, this man, put Jordan Neely in a chokehold. Uh, these are things to watch out for. If you're trying to figure out whether or not, you know, like, uh, why don't they want to tell you that? Um, or, or look, one of the first things you should look for in a headline and in an article is how are they writing this? Is this a passive voice or is it active voice? And you should keep that in mind because, uh, it can show you, or it can give you some insight into what they're trying to emphasize and de-emphasize. And speaking of emphasizing and de-emphasizing, uh, you also really got to pay attention to what facts are they fronting versus which are they withholding? And what do I mean by that? Well, along with how you write the sentence or how you write the article and the, 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 the grammar that you're using, you also get to choose which facts you're putting in the headlines and the stories versus which you're either not putting in there or you are uh, burying somewhere deep in the article. And I'll tell you what, if, if it wasn't immediately obvious, at least to me, that the first thing all of these articles wanted to say, I think the New York Times had one that was especially egregious, um, but the first thing they wanted to emphasize was not that 
Jordan Neely was murdered on a subway, that a human being was murdered on a subway, and the guy who murdered him was not even under arrest. He was just gone. No, the first thing these articles wanted to emphasize is Jordan Neely's mental illness and mental health problems. I knew that, and his homelessness, frankly. I mean, I knew, before I knew anything about Jordan Neely, I saw all these headlines, which the first thing was uh, mentally ill homeless man uh, dies after being subdued after having an outburst on a train. Now, why is it important to emphasize that this man, Jordan Neely, had mental illness? Why is it important to emphasize that this man, Jordan Neely, was homeless? How does that play a role in whether or not murder was committed here? So let's first of all put aside the, uh, you know, just put aside any of the uh, concerns about, uh, just everything else we've talked about, put it aside. Let's talk about just murder, okay? Murder is the unjustified or the unlawful killing or the extrajudicial killing of one person by another, right? That's murder. Just straight up. Uh, so why is it important? What qualities or what, why are those details, other than that someone else was killed, was murdered, why are those relevant to determining whether or not this is murder? So we're not talking about self-defense here. We're not talking about any any like legal defense. We're talking about why does it, you know, if someone's a man or if someone's a woman and they're murdered, they're still murdered, right? It doesn't change the fact that this is a consequence that happened to the person. If someone is a, uh, you know, a lawyer or if someone is a, uh, like a uh, school teacher or if someone is a drug dealer or if someone is a, uh, like a, bus driver, if someone kills them, if another person kills them, that's still murder. So why would it make any sense to talk about the person being murdered having mental health issues? And why would it make any sense to talk about the person being murdered being homeless? Because... The reality is that we are taught and we do devalue certain people in our society. Certain people, their lives are more important than others. And we're taught that from, from a very, it's kind of ingrained into us. It's ingrained into us every time we walk down the street in a city and we pass by another outcrop of tents that are coming up in some abandoned lot, 
where uh, the people out there are, uh, you know, living in these tents, in these cities. Every time we walk by a cup that someone has, you know, when they're holding up their cup and when they're holding up their, their thing outside of a shop or on an intersection with a sign, their cardboard sign, every time we walk by, we're taught to ignore them. And we do a lot of the times because, let's be frank, for a lot of people, they get uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to see that. It's uncomfortable to talk about how, you know, it's it's easier to see them as something lesser because then the world is still just right? Oh, this homeless person doesn't, uh, I don't have to worry about their life because they're just hooked on drugs. As if that takes away the fucking essential humanity of the person. The fact that they're on drugs. Oh, we don't have to pay attention to that person. He's crazy. As if that stops the fact that they have a life like yours, that they are alive as much as you are alive. That they should be protected just as much as you should be protected and cared for just as much as you should be cared for. But we know that's not the case. That's not the reality of the country we're living in. So when you see headlines that say, hey, well, this fucking crazy homeless fucking black motherfucker got just, oh, he just... He was going crazy. Someone had to do something. Those are the facts. When those are the facts that are emphasized, you should be smelling shit. You should be, it should, it should stink up in this motherfucker. You should be smelling it because there is no conceivable world where that should matter when it comes to whether or not this motherfucker was murdered. So again, when you have a passive voice saying that Jordan Neely was murdered, so they won't identify who's doing it, or they're not, they're protecting the person who's the murderer here, or who committed the homicide. And when you see the facts are being emphasized are homeless, crazy man on subway. That's that's a tell. That's a tell, right? Because what they're essentially saying here is uh, some people it's okay to murder. Some it's not. Some people are actually protected by the laws and by our institutions and some are not. And that is why, I mean, that's I want to talk about media literacy for so many other reasons. But that's the example that I'll give you tonight. Um, again, more important for people here to touch grass when you need to touch grass, to get outside, to just remember that life is not all doom and gloom and forgot like, like, and even when shit like sucks, the fucking sun still rocks ass. Like the sun fucking 
slays, dude. It is so sick just to get out and feel it and to be out walking and to just let the air hit you. Take off the headphones, take everything away and just just realize that your existence at all is a fucking miracle. It just like the fact that this fucking rock is just spinning. We're on this giant rock spinning in these stars and like fucking oxygen. What the fuck is that? And then sun that feels good on your skin. You're like, shit, it's nice like that. Do that for sure. But when you get back and you decide to read some of these fucking headlines, I would ask that you you start taking note of those two things first. What facts are being emphasized here? What facts are being emphasized and which facts are not being mentioned at all? The absence of what facts are, or the absence of facts is just as telling, right? The fact that we didn't know anything about this guy who killed him, really. The fact that there was no, I didn't see any articles, at least initially, before this became a big fucking thing. I didn't see any articles really talking about how um, how how long it takes to choke someone out to death, right? Like that's that seems like a pretty fucking important fact here, because we all know you pass out first before you die being choked to death. So what happened? What gives? Okay, like. The fact that there were no facts really emphasizing of who the fuck is this guy who just choked someone out on a subway and then just went home. No charges, no nothing. Although we'll see. There may be charges now. If there are, I mean, I don't, frankly, I don't know how much that that's going to change a societal problem that we got going on here. We'll see. Um, But when you're reading these articles, pay attention to those facts that are emphasized versus those that are de-emphasized. Pay attention to whether they're using the active or the passive voice. And if they're using the passive voice, what would, one thing I like to do is uh, figure out that, or I'll take a a sentence in the passive voice and I'll try to flip it into or turn it into a sentence using the active voice. So I can try to figure out what subject or what noun, what person or thing that does the verb is being hidden by that passive voice. So I can identify who this motherfucker is, right? Like if man was killed, I'm trying to figure out who killed man, right? It's almost like word algebra. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. That does not sound very fun when you say it like that. But, you know, like, try it. Try to figure out because the you, you'll start to realize that uh, a lot of these headlines, a lot of news outlets are actively, ironically, actively hiding shit from you by using the passive voice. And you have to ask, why is that? Now, Again, this is just supposed to be an introduction to uh, some of the concepts of manufacturing consent uh, and media literacy. As this series goes on, uh, I'm planning to do things that are a lot more 
almost like a class, a little class, right? Yay, a little class. But I really want to go over some of these concepts that Chomsky is really big on sort of popularizing. This manufacturing of consent, this asking this, you know, understanding the question or, or understanding how this happened. Like, how is it that in a capitalist system where everyone has apparently free will, how is it that all these institutions are all coming to very similar conclusions or similar um, when they're wrong, they're wrong in similar ways. When they're lying, they're all lying together without having a grand conspiracy between them. Right? I think that's, I would really like to talk about that as we uh, continue this series because honestly, I think once you understand uh, maybe, I don't know, whoever whoever's listening to this, if you're not big into like, you probably hear people talking about capitalism all the time and socialism's better. And you're like, what the fuck are all these people? Like what? Everyone just shut the fuck up. What do you mean? What What you're going to see, what I hope people understand by this is that incentive structures and a system which, uh, the system that you have, the systems that you implement in your society create funnels. And they create funnels which and and filters which weed out uh genuinely uh uh dissenting opinions which is why we don't hear any in mainstream media really because it's not a conspiracy it's the system working as uh constructed which is to uh Create people with ex and, and institutions which have an excessive amount of power and control. And for all the people who find themselves within those systems or as part of those systems to uh, end up working in such a way that does not challenge that system directly, or else they were already filtered out. So the people that you get writing these articles. And the people that you get getting hired at the New York Times or getting hired at these institutions are people who are already going to play ball. They've jumped through all the hoops that the system puts up to protect itself. And the thing is that this system of filtering in capitalism works regardless of whether or not you know it's happening. Regardless of whether or not you're aware of how that's functioning. And that's what's so uh sinister about it it's all it's kind of it's kind of brilliant right it's it's it is a and and it, it can be depressing sometimes to 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 really consider that or to to really see how it works but once you see it i believe that once you get over that initial sort of like we're all fucked feeling it's really liberating because then you can, to the extent that any of you still kind of care about like what, I guess like fitting in or something. I don't know. Are we back in high school? <laughs> fitting in. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm popular. <laughs> um, but, you know, to the extent that you still care about like 
you don't want your opinion to be like too radical or anything. You start to realize that in this system, it doesn't take much to have a radical opinion. That's the point. The point is to filter out anything that is at all in uh, truly dissenting from from the system, which is uh, which is you know why you get a lot of the. Uh, do you want to vote for imperialist A or imperialist B? It's why you don't have an anti-war candidate. It's why you don't have politicians who you have all these politicians who talk all this shit. And then they all end up doing the same thing at the same time. You know, it's how you get from Joe Biden crime bill, Joe Biden, to Joe Biden, oh, I believe Black Lives Matter, but not really Joe Biden. And I think it also helps you understand, I think it helps you understand why some people were very drawn to Trump. Because in some very key ways, he kind of kicks a lot of this. But not in the ways, but the, the problem with Trump is that he's always still, he's making the devil's bargain by promising to continue to protect power. He's not genuinely interested in shaking up power, but he knows how to attack the effects or the the ideas, the, the things that that concentration of power has allowed and the effects it's had on people. So he's like a, he's like a, 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 what do you call him? Like a whisperer, right? And that's what makes it dangerous because that's when you actually get into like fascism. Historically, I'm not even talking about like, oops, I'm getting a call. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Um, but that's how you get into, you know, these ideas that, um, I mean, from a historical standpoint, you know, I know, and people, it's so annoying at times when you have all of these like ultra liberals who are like, Trump is a fascist. And then, you, you know, like it gets old, but they're not incorrect, right? As, as like to what fascism actually is. Yeah. And he, but we'll, you know, we'll get into all of that um, in other episodes. But I mean, really, the the main thing I wanted to emphasize is, uh, well, I wanted to give an introduction as to what I want the series to be. I wanted to give a quick example. I thought Jordan Neely was a timely one, um, a tragic one, but a timely one. And just sort of open to the extent that you're curious about media literacy, to the extent that you're curious about trying to understand the truth and cut that out and, 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 and really get to the root of things. I want to give you what tools I have. I want you to be able to do this. Um, it's been super important in my life. Um, I think it can really help with a lot. And then the last thing is eventually maybe with this series, we'll get into, <sighs> a theory that I'm still kind of mulling around. And I think that other people have probably said a lot better than me. And again, this is where it gets ironic, but in what ways are we sort of, can we be, or are we currently creating a new form of manufacturing consent through uh, social media engagement, through 
uh, politics as our next form of entertainment uh, through sort of uh, uh, the, the, the Patreonization. The Patreonization, the YouTubeification, the all of that stuff of politics as a whole. Because I'll give you like a spoiler for the end of this series. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be yet, but the spoiler is this. I think that when the internet came along, it did make it harder to sort of manufacture these narratives and have one cohesive narrative for events. Dissenting voices where they were as few, as few as them as they were, were able to find outlets that had not really, it's been a long time since that had happened on a wide scale. But what's happening now is those dissenting voices, many of them, are still finding themselves at the mercy of capital. Now, it's not necessarily corporate capital, right? A lot of these creators, uh, I, I guess myself included, but I'm, I mean, I don't fucking get paid for this shit. I do this for free, you motherfuckers. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot like there, there's a system now where people's paychecks are dependent on cranking out political content, on cranking out some kind of content. And I would like, by the end of this, I hope that we all have the tools to sort of start to ask questions about, ugh, how, how is, can that also end up being a bad thing in so far as, you know, when you have, I've noticed it with this, you know, in, in just doing this thing that I usually do on Tuesdays, is you'll find yourself having to come up with a topic of something to talk about politically, because you're a political YouTuber or whatever, right? You find yourself having to come up with a topic in order to meet the next episode because people are looking forward to the next episode or people need to show up in the next episode and you gotta have a topic. And you're a political person, so you have to come up with something political or maybe I lose my money. So it becomes the churning of news now it's it's a lot better than like CNN or any of that, right? But we fall into this churning of news, of having to find new narratives, of having to keep the content going, and suddenly we're 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 there because we're at the whims again of capital. And I I, I guess to give another example, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, I'll talk about like uh, what's his name, Avicii. I, you know what? I shouldn't talk about Avicii because I don't know enough about him or his situation. Um, but I will say, uh, look, this is what I, okay, I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, so Avicii, I, I, really popular DJ, really popular electronic artist. Um, I mean, you've definitely heard, uh, the songs. I mean, I can look one up, uh, play the first one, and guarantee you've heard it. But uh, Avicii was a young guy, I think still in his 20s, who 
Yeah, you know this. You, of course, you know this one. Let's. This is one of Avicii's songs. This is just. Wake me up, you know. Feel my way through the darkness. You, you know it. Guided by a beating heart. Can you hear it? Can people hear this? Okay. I can't tell where the journey will end. Yeah. Thumbs up. I know where it, to start. They tell me I'm too young to understand. Yeah. yeah I think you get it. Say I'm caught up in part. a dream. Uh, I actually can't tell. Well, life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes. Say it in the chat or something. So that's fine by me. We'll just play this part. So wake me up when he's all over. See, you've heard it. You see, you're cool. You know what the kids are doing. You're not fucking out of touch. You, you know this song, baby. You know this song. See, you're fine. But, but, okay. So that, that was Avicii uh, with, with Wake Me Up. But the reason I bring that up is, is, because Avicii, um, the, the the story is this, right? Was continually being pressured to go on tour, to go on tour by his managers, by his handlers. He is making so much money on tour. It was like the number one electronic artist of, of his time. Uh, and the stress of him constantly having to go on tour he would say, I want to take a break. I want to take a break. Apparently his handlers and the people around him would say no. And this is just what I understand. This could all be bullshit, but go just stay with me on this. They compel him to tour and to tour and to tour. And his mental health deteriorates, deteriorates more and more. Until finally, after one of his shows, he apparently breaks a bottle in his green room and slits his throat and he killed himself. So he's dead, right? He's 20 something years old, living out what people would say is a dream of, you know, making his art. But that process of constantly grinding him, grinding him, grinding him, grinding him, to, to make him produce capital, to make him make money. Uh, destroyed it. Destroyed the artist. And also, potentially the art. And I think that's... How does this factor into the manufacturing of consent? Well, I worry that I guess our culture of politics or that politics as a form of constant entertainment or entertainment can create that same sort of grinding effect, not just on creators, but on, uh, on us because it has this idea of convincing us or it has this feeling of convincing us that what we're doing right now is actually material politics, which it's not. This is me in my fucking basement. <laughs> That's what that is. This is the same shit I do every night. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but it also has this effect of, 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 of um, creating, making moments like Jordan Neely, about the entertainment value only. 
And what do I mean by that? The entertainment value of having a space where someone's talking about it for like a, a political reason. But then what happens next week? We're on to the next shit. We're on to the next fucking thing. And it's always fucking something in this country, man. It's always something. So where, how long is that sustainable? And how much does that actually, put it this way, how much does, if we talked about this, this, these events week after week after week, how closer are we to changing this motherfucking shit? How close are we to actually changing that system? And I don't mean that as like a call out, and I don't mean that to make anyone feel bad about it. I mean it because I believe we can change it. We actually can do it. So let's not lose sight of the the goal here. And let's not let's let's strategically unplug from this shit to remember why we're doing what we're doing, I suppose. Does that make sense? It makes sense in my head. <laughs> it makes it makes sense in my head, you know? Um Yeah. But that's all. That's really all I have today. That's the first class. Um, thank you for enrolling. <laughs> You're always welcome. The class is free, baby. So go ahead. Go ahead with it. Um, if people want to call in, we can. Uh, if not, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and unplug. And by unplug, I mean I'm going to go work a little bit. And then I'm going to do... Uh, I'm going to go watch those uh, NBA playoffs. Man, uh, those have been fun. Those have been a lot of fun, actually. I feel like a kid again watching NBA playoffs. It's been great. Uh, been excellent. I don't know. NBA is really good right now. I'm sorry. I, I know some people, a lot of people don't give a shit about sports. I totally understand. Completely understand. I'm not like a super fan. But, man, is it just fun to just watch people at the height of – human, I don't know, like physical capability, just really competing over, you know, trying to throw a dumb ball into a hoop and then they get really good at it. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine like explaining to like the Aztecs or something like way back when that, uh, Hey, uh, you're going to get paid millions of dollars because you're really good at throwing this ball through that hoop. Like it's pretty great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but uh, we got a caller, uh, Peter. Peter, always good to hear from you, man. Uh, welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. How are you doing? Good. Hey, bye. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks. What's I missed the uh, I missed the first few minutes. So, did you go anywhere on vacation or something? Something? Uh, in the past I, week? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I did go on vacation. Uh, no, but I, I actually am going to uh, I'm going to Mexico this weekend, so that should be fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, actually, man, I got to do something about this beard. Oh, my God. Right. Line you it up. Okay. <laughs> well, you want to be a communist, so you should look like uh, the African-American <laughs> Karl Marx. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I should. I can tell why you, you know, why you keep the, you know, hair. 
facial hair like like that. It's it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's uh what's on your mind? So I actually see some real good sign recently because uh, about uh, the media being failing, the corporate media being failing because uh, uh, both Tucker Carlson is gone and uh, the Don Lemon is gone, right? Uh, I think I heard today right. that uh, Brett Bear, this is a Fox News, you know, stand-up guy. Now his uh, text behind the scene is revealed, so he took a, a rating dive. Uh, I don't know whether you know him, Brett Bear. I know and, Brett uh, Bear, yeah. Yeah, I've heard yeah, of him. Yeah. So I think these are all great signs that uh, the alter uh, alternative media is gradually replacing the mainstream media. So for, you know, from that regard, I think we're doing well. You know, I'm going to continue to produce content on my side just to, you know, just to yeah. put out fight. You know, I, and I, I do have to say, Peter, I really do like the content that you produce. I think you consistently come with a very, uh, a very unique perspective and a very critical perspective of uh, the judicial system. Uh, you're, you're kind of, yeah, no, I really, I really do. I listen to them. I don't always get to catch them live because um, they're usually uh, on Sundays, but I, I try to listen back. And yeah, I like what you're doing. Crazy thoughts, basically. So I, I, yeah. I do, I'm, I'm very grateful that the calling to me this uh, opportunity and all yeah. that. Another thing about Media 101, I have just heard, I just, you know, maybe the next class you want to uh, give your take on that. First one is the Elizabeth Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, uh, -E a total fraud. Sure. Now, uh, the New York Times come out with a piece and uh, the rising on the hills talk about it. So I hope, you know, yeah. it's a total media fabrication and now yes it's yeah. real nice i think it's a good uh, case study right yeah there's another one. Oh, now i forgot it's another great case recently but i forgot darn it it's another case that whether uh, how media can really make a criminal looks like a victim and victim looks like criminal like malcolm x has taught us you know the power of the media is that they can make a criminal like a victim and victim like criminal yeah so but too bad I forgot that one. My bad. But great well, I, show. I, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I remember back when uh, Jelaine Maxwell was being uh, uh, either sentenced or where she was it had to be a little bit before the trial. But there were puff pieces coming out about Jelaine Maxwell or Ghislaine, what, okay. however you say it. Oh. Yeah. And, and you realize that, well, why are there puff pieces coming out about Elizabeth Holmes and Ghislaine Maxwell. Like it's, it's, and, and look, maybe people are interested. Maybe people thought it would be interesting to see what does a fraudster do before they go into prison for 10 years with Elizabeth Holmes. Right. And for mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, Elizabeth Holmes founded a company when she was 19 called Theranos, which if you recall, uh, was about like, basically they were claiming that they could run all these medical tests on you just by getting a prick of your finger and taking a prick of your blood. Now yep. that technology has never existed. And she misled investors as to that technology already uh, either being possible to exist or, or that they were able to invent it. But uh, she ended up being found out and the whole, I mean, her whole story is kind of fascinating because I mean, she spoke in a, in a fake voice for, years while this yeah. was going on 
she spoke in a deep voice like this because she read somewhere that men take women more seriously if they speak with a deep tone of voice. And then you'll hear like voice messages of her and her voice is up here, like just talking. It's wild. It's really wild. Um, but this puff piece is interesting because uh, it's kind of like a, a, a humanized look at, oh, look at this uh, fraudster who has uh, stolen money from investors who's now going to prison. But, oh, now she's a mother. And, oh, now she speaks in her normal voice. And she's so regretful of all her whatever. And you you got to ask yourself that even if all of that is true, how does one get themselves in a privileged position to where they're going to write a piece about you after your conviction to try to make you look better? Like, is anyone going to write that piece for Jordan Neely now? I mean, now, because it's a big enough story, actually, maybe. But when you think about it, how many motherfuckers, like homeless motherfuckers out there could use puff pieces? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them, a lot of homeless people could use puff pieces. Actually, one one of the things, there's um, a little off base, but what is it called? What is it called? Um, Invisible. I gotta find. Yeah. I think this is it. Yeah. Invisible people. So speaking of puff pieces for homelessness, if you're actually interested in that, any of you, uh, and it's not actual puff pieces, but what I would say is uh, there's a YouTube channel called Invisible People, which I think is great, but it's a, it's just some guy who, who himself used to be uh, homeless, who's just going around talking to homeless people and talking to them about their situation, talking to them about what they need. And uh, I, it's basically just like puff pieces for, for homeless people at this point. But like, God, that would be nice. Like that, if, if he, he's trying to combat that idea in the same way that I, I think you are in a lot of ways too, Peter, with the judicial system. But, you know, we need to actively be combating. We need to be able to recognize propaganda when we see it and actively yep. combat it with our own, yep. you know, with, with yep. facts with 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 truth with yeah. with a critique and that starts only after you can actually critique the propaganda that's coming at you because if you don't know you're being propagandized then there's nothing to critique and i think that's how people fell into this i mean that's how i originally fell into this whole uh left versus right equal left versus right at all in a large part but also left versus right as far as like the left being liberal Joe Biden Democrats and the right being like, I don't know, like the John McCain rhino stuff of the time. I mean, uh, it just, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean like this is, that's a great example though. The, the Liz home piece. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, now I remember the other case is this a Brett, uh, Brett, bear of Fox News. I think for years they tried to make him like the you know, the most trusted voice, fair and balanced. Right, right. Fair and balanced. Yeah, I just checked the Drudge report. I found out that, that's him I want to talk about. Elizabeth Holmes and this Brett Bears is like a perfectly looking, you know, a white person supposed yeah. to be at the highest moral ground 
but actually doing you know pretty shady things in the background. You know, another thing I want to mention that because I I always want to be creative. I'm right now pretty close to Joe Biden's vacation home <laughs> in Wehoba Beach, Delaware. Oh, dude. Would that be nice? I was again. I'm trying to throw out this as an idea. Okay, if can we do a calling protest? In other words, if I put on my top of my truck a loudspeaker, which I do have a generator to power, just park in the you know the closest distance to his vacation home, put yeah. the damn loud, that loudspeaker on top of my truck. Yeah, run the generator, get a calling. <laughs> episode just have the people across the country scream at let's go brendan <laughs> so, you know that's funny just a thought that's... i mean i know and because uh, i think we should be get more creative about pro uh, protesting not being yeah. afraid and yeah. uh and uh so you know just some something throw out there to the I, think that's a, I, I think it's a great idea i mean i think well i think it's a great instinct that idea uh the lawyer brain in me is flashing for a couple of reasons and this is not legal advice but <laughs> the first things i'm uh noticing with that are one you know part of the power of a protest comes in that it's really hard to move and control that many people if you go out and it's just you with a loudspeaker uh the cops only need to subdue one person and remove one person. Very easy for them to do, right? Mm -hmm. So practically speaking, and let if you have cops who just want to remove you, they can do that. Um, then the other aspect is I wonder what the nuisance laws would be around there, right? Like what would that be? Like could a neighbor – because you know how sometimes if you're having a party or something or back in the day when I was in college and you'd go to a party and – Sometimes the cops would show up and be like, you have to turn the music down because your apartment neighbors across the way complained. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I wonder what that, if that I, is, has any place here too. But. I, I, I'm trying to be uh, like a, 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 a ma, ma, mother myself, right? And uh, I just like, just totally just uh, having some crazy idea because uh, I admire what Code Pink has been doing. And uh, the other guy, I think he has a Hispanic name, just like, you know, crash those events that are, you know, mm -hmm. intended to embarrass these folks who are in power. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, but, you know, just uh, as always, uh, great chatting with you. And uh, yeah, sure great chatting with you too, Peter. Yeah. Jose Vega. Thank you, Kerry. Yeah, that, that's his name. Jose and Vega. The okay. Thing, they are being very active. They will crash to uh, into those events that are, for the purpose of embarrassing those people who are in uh, power. We, we, I admire that. So thank you, sir, as always. Yeah, as always. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Um, and then Peter's got his show, um, Judicial White Privilege, which I think occurs most, if not every Sunday on call-in. Uh, really, really good take. Uh, really good takes. Uh, he's, he's basically like a... Uh, if you want to know what CRT actually is, <laughs> Peter's pretty, pretty, pretty good at it. Um, okay, well, cool. I, I think it's time to go watch some NBA people. What do you think? Is it time to touch grass? Look at us. We got this all done in a minute and or an hour and fifteen minutes. Look at us. We're so good. We're so good. 
we're the best. <laughs> okay. Well, then, cool. Well, then, uh, I will uh, see y'all next. Ooh, next week. Am I here? I'll be here next week. I'll be. I'll be here. Uh, ooh, will I? No. No, I'm out of town next week. Okay, so probably a week and a half. I might move these to Saturday anyway because it's getting harder to uh, fit these in on Tuesdays. Uh, so, or you know, maybe I just won't do them as often. Maybe we'll do them every two weeks, and I'll only come to you guys when I actually got shit to talk about. I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds pretty good to me. Okay. Uh, well, thank you all. Uh, there are some good links in the uh, in the chat uh, and some stuff I'm going to be clicking through uh, from Amanda and um, uh, Terry put some stuff in here as well and then I'll, i'm gonna say hi to derek real quick and then we'll we'll call it an episode derek what's going on man how you doing oh derek you there go ahead and unmute yourself oh hey yeah uh what's up i accidentally i guess uh called in oh so, cool yeah, now i have to <laughs> uncomfortably say hi and then back away like a weirdo no dude it's all good hey <laughs> What's happening? Uh, just chilling, same old, same old. Yeah, yeah. I took yeah. a nap and I missed uh, an hour of you talking about something that I didn't want to miss, so I fucked oh, up. Oh well, there, there's plenty more to talk about. It, the nice thing is it's saved there, so uh, yeah, I'll check it out later. So yeah, for sure. Well, Peace. Hope your nap Go enjoy your uh, your bee ball. <laughs> okay, for sure, for sure, man. All right, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking with you. Cool, y'all. Okay, well. Again, we're going to go more into this. I think one of, this is going to be a series. We're going to talk about uh, how to recognize propaganda, how it works, and then how to combat it and make your own. It's basically the entirety of the series. Um, media Literacy 101, baby. Uh, if you can figure out how people are playing you, it's a lot harder to get played. Just saying. And uh, I know that you motherfuckers ain't nothing to play with. So, all right, cool. Well, that makes this week's episode. We'll see you next time. Uh, Till then, take care and uh, get out in that sun. Feel that sun. Bye.